What's going on social media? So hey, we're on episode 79 and we've been doing a small to mid-sized enterprise talk about marketing. And um, today we have Thomas Johnson. He um, owns Get Up and Get Fit, um, a wellness cashier service. And um, he was on some of our episodes, I think earlier last year, right? During co when the height of, I would say COVID, right? Um, so we're glad to have Thomas back. And today we go talk specifically about the journey when it comes to marketing from someone who's a, you know, pretty much started as a small business, you know, to where he is today, right? Um, you probably did try a few things to uh, get your marketing working the way you want it. So I want to hear from, um, you know, someone who did it, right? Who, who's doing it himself or doing it with a team. Uh, I want a candid experience today instead of just hearing from my, like myself, you know, who's a marketing guy, right? Um, but let's hear from a true small business owner. And um, we have Eldrick here tonight. Um, Jeremy couldn't join us. He has something going on. But I want to say hi to Gabe. Thanks for hopping on the show and all your support. Thank you. So let's start there, Thomas. Why don't you share with our audience about your business? Hey everyone, I'm Thomas Johnson, founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit, what is concierge. I'm also a C-suite advisor, investor, and the host of the How May I Serve You podcast. So um, my business essentially is a what is concierge company. Um, essentially what we do is we help our clients who are high performers, we help them to identify and understand the negative habits, the negative wellness habits. And we, we help them to create a plan of action and we pair them with our wellness coaches to support them while they're working towards, you know, adapting these new habits. Because at, at the end of the day, our habits is what define us, right? Our habits is what make us mm -hmm. who we are, both good and bad. So instead of using the bad effect, all right, to work on wellness habits, we go right to the root cause. Um, I used to be a fitness uh, professional and a nutritionist for 15 years. I've been in this industry for a long time. And I saw two main flaws within the wellness industry. Number one, the lack of getting to the root cause of wellness issues. And number two, the lack of accountability. A person might join the gym or hire a wellness professional. Um, they, might work, they might work with a wellness professional for a few months and focus on the I guess, um, mediocre goals, right? Like try to lose a few few pounds for a wedding or to look good for the beach. But oftentimes, a lot of these individuals, professionals don't get to the root cause, all right? Um, which are aligned with habits, right? The client might work with the work with the world's professionals, then go back to their old habits. So that's not a sustainable method. So I decided to create something that was a little bit more sustainable, that, that was going to be much more last- um, long lasting, hence the one is concierge um, concept, get up and get fit. Awesome. Good stuff. So um, let's dive in real quick. Um, so to, to the, tonight's topic. So tell us when you first started your business. Well, let's share kind of wh where were you? Were you in a financial place where you have an abundance? Or were you just starting, you know, with a minimal budget and what does that look like when it comes to marketing your business as a startup when you first started right as a fitness professional yeah so when i first started off i had zero business acumen right um i mean i i was i was an entrepreneur i i had 
I had the knowledge of selling, right? But in terms of the business acumen of running our actual business, I had zero. I had pretty much zero. So I had a lot. I had a lot of passion, right? <laughs> I had a lot of passion, and my goal was to just go with my passion, you know. And sometimes when you don't have the the full tools, you tend to fail a lot. And that's what happened in the beginning. But luckily for me, I I was good at what I. I, I was extremely, extremely good at being a personal trainer and being a nutritionist. So my work proved itself, right? Um, and I, when I decided to create my company, Get Up and Get Fit, this was after working for a commercial gym for a few years. I used to be a, a celebrity trainer as well, right? Um, I left the gym, decided to go on my own, and I started off with the boot camps, right? I Gradually, I, I went towards the route of in-home personal training and gradually i decided to create something a little bit more robust right um with what i have right now to get up and get fit what is concierge but it took me a long time to get to where i'm at i i failed a lot i but i failed forward but but the thing about me though as i progress i i expanded my information i extended extended and expanded my my knowledge right i started to gravitate towards more books, sort of do more research. Um, and I started to really, really surround myself with other business individuals who had the information that I needed, right? It's all about expanding your circle. And the more I did that, the better I became as a business owner, as a leader. Um, if you look behind me, all these books right here, most of these books are leadership books, business books, right? Um, so it's a, it took me a while to get to where I'm at. Right, and I'm I'm still working towards getting to the next level. The, the the key the key goal is to never be satisfied, always be hungry, always be hungry. Now, to answer your question, in terms of the current business, where we're at right now, it's a uh, it's a little bit we have more structure, right? We have more structure. We have and we have various uh, team within the organization, so it's a little bit more organized. From being from being in chaos to gradually becoming organized. It took me a long time to get to that point. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, so I think, Thomas, you brought in two good points. And this is something I know Eldrick talks about too, right? Um, a lot of people have passion, mm -hmm. um, but passion doesn't really, you know, propel your business forward. Right. Um, well, it doesn't. People, yep. So a lot of people go, oh, you know, uh, you see all these entrepreneurs, influencers, and they say, oh, chase your passion. You know, <laughs> what, what What does that mean, right? Um, chasing your passion. I think all three of us have enough experience now that, you know, chase your passion can get you nowhere, right? <laughs> your bank account's still zero. Uh, and, you know, there are still, like, how do you fail forward, right? And mm -hmm. you brought up a good point. Um you, you got to keep growing. There has to be growth. You got to be stay hungry. So when it comes to staying hungry, I think it takes a certain type of people. Not everyone's designed to be an entrepreneur as much as, you know, we're seeing the workforce today, right? Especially oh, in, the, in yeah. the U.S., right? A lot of people aren't going back to their jobs and they're quitting, right? Yeah, uh, which definitely. is good because people are tired of the eight to five, right? But at the same time, they a lot of people also don't understand that entrepreneurship is not the pedestal be all, right? 
And yeah. recently I read Eldrick's um, article about, you know, um, the side hustle, right? And then um, keeping your, you know, eight to five, you know. Uh, Eldrick, talk about that a little bit. For me, it's very simple. I've, I've uh, come across many people who talk about the sexiness of uh, entrepreneurship, running a startup. You know, I no longer have a job. I have full control of my life and destiny and time and the people I want to meet and things like that. I'm like, that's great. But, um, you know, in, in the world of uh, content creation, regardless what platforms you are, you are on, whether it's social media, whether it's social publishing, whether it's short form content, long form content, you, you think about the people that's there. They will talk about such things. It's like you think about uh, the people who talk about investments in YouTube, they will talk about Bitcoin. They won't talk about anything else. There is mm -hmm. a certain characteristics uh, of such people being on, on, on the platforms. Uh, and I would say that uh, people like to talk about things that accentuates the positive and they totally negate the other side of the argument. Mm -hmm. It's good that you want to do something for yourself. Um, you feel good about it. You're confident. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I can run. I can fly. I can swim. I can, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, let's, let's be honest. I've come across so many people writing so many articles on uh, how I made six figures as a content creator. All the time on YouTube. <laughs> okay. So regardless whether it's YouTube, Medium, Vocal, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, I think we have to embrace uh, a dose of humility. We have to start questioning like, yeah, you said you earned six figures, but uh, was, it, was that an accumulated figure? Is that a monthly figure? What currency is it? And at what platforms? Uh, how many hours did you put in? They will never tell you that. Why? Precisely the point that I mentioned previously. They accentuate the good stuff, but they don't talk about the bad stuff. And another topic that you know blows my mind, I mean, not, not really, it didn't blow my mind, but uh, it annoyed me now more than ever, is uh, I achieved financial freedom by being a content creator. And then when, when you look at their Instagram posts, it is very obvious they are staying with their parents. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, if the bills that you have to pay, they are small ticket items, you reach your financial freedom status very easily. But if, but if you have to think for your parents, they don't think like that because they got to pay for the house that you are staying in. They pay for the car that you're driving out, right? So for them, they're not thinking about uh, making six digits over 10 years creating content. They're not thinking about, you know, what the millennials are thinking about, like, you know, go big, bet big on the side hustle. And they are thinking about, hmm, I got to get the household going. Hmm. Yes, I'm interested to, to do my business, but I have to be practical because I got to feed my family. 
So I cannot abandon my job yet, but I have to carve time out from my day to do what I'm interested in. And when you do that, you don't jeopardize your family. Now, um, at this point, I think there's a difference between how uh, Asians think about family first and you know the Western world, they, they, they think about uh, individualism over collectivism, mm-hmm. right? So it's your business, my passion and blah, blah, blah. But your thinking will change if you have a young family to feed. Yeah, if you have two babies, you're not going to think about that. Are you still going to think about, I want to create content and things like that? You can if your spouse is the one working nine to six. So I think um, that article is really just my way of thinking like, hey guys, yes, we should explore. We should do what we believe in. But at the same time, let's accept that the reality in front of us is not as rosy as you painted. I really don't believe anyone or rather, I really don't believe the vast majority of the people in the content creation world achieving financial freedom by creating content. I don't. But I believe that the top 1% can do it. Content yeah. is everything. I mean, it's, 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 it's practicality, right? Um, you yeah. Know, like, if, if you look at most um, successful business owners and millionaires, even billionaires, there's they work, they're still working. Like they don't they don't think about retirement. They don't they don't they don't talk about short term. They really plan for a long term um status, right? They plan for um they, they literally plan to give their family, right, the upper hand. They plan for legacy. They plan for legacy, right? So um a lot, of, a lot of folks that you mentioned, a lot of um, a lot of millennials who are like into like the content uh, marketing space. You're right; they are just talk about the glam and glamour and the short term. Now, when you say financial freedom, like what does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> right? precisely. Right? What does that mean? What does it mean? Right? That, that, does it mean that? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's. Does it mean that you you have leftover income after paying your phone bills, your food, and uh, you know public transport fees? Come on, guys. That's those are low ticket <laughs> items, okay? I mean, like if you earn two hundred and fifty, and those items are two hundred dollars, and you say I have cheap financial freedom. I mean, also like, taxes. Don't, don't forget taxes, uh, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, what what taxes get taken out? Are you still financially free? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so so it's interesting. Uh, I I wrote that article because I was like, you know, guys, maybe we should we should be a little humble and uh, accept that you know reality isn't isn't the way you think about it. And I, I'm not saying this against millennials, okay? I have friends in their early 40s and they're telling me, or, or colleagues, right? They're telling me things like, oh, you know, I want to be a full-time content creator so that I can live <laughs> a life of my own, you know, staying at home, just typing away, earning money and taking care of my family. I'm like, dude, you're, you're, you're deluded. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been doing this on the site for years. I've not... <laughs> it's not. Wait, it's not what you, you say, okay? And Kevin, um, you know, like it's it's click, of course you know it's clickbait, right? It's clickbait, and that's what sells. That's what attracts the audience. That's what attracted um the audience to purchase your course, right? It's a yeah. course, right? <laughs> if 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 they were actually telling the real story of of their heartaches, right? Of um the trauma they face, of you know the sleepless nights. 
like the, that's not the, sexy. It's not <laughs> sexy, and it will be harder for them to attract the same type of audience. So, by showcasing the rented car, hence the rented cars, right? Um, the pictures on the beach and by the boats and, and the yachts, etc. It's more attractive. They're selling this dream. They're selling this dream, and that's what you know tend to attract the um, the, the public for for the most part. You know, commercials yeah. do this all the time. You know, it's just like this has been the tactic or that's been used by many businesses, <laughs> even the pharmaceutical businesses, right? If you look at a commercial for a pharmaceutical um, company for a product or medicine, they normally show a happy family, uh, a guy walking with his dog smiling. And afterwards, there's like a speed reading of the side effects. This might cause <laughs> et cetera, right? <laughs> so, now, now imagine if the side effects were pronounced in the beginning, there, there wouldn't be any sales. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing, same clickbait. So yeah. this is great. I want to segment into, okay, let's talk about this. So all three of us, right? Eldrick, you've tried, done the side hustle, you know, being a consultant. Thomas, you're, you're building your own business. Um, me, myself, you know, I started off my basement, right? Being a marketing consultant. And now I own an agency. So let's talk a little, let's dive into that journey. Yeah. What did that look like for you, Thomas, when you first started, when you were, you were still, Hey, I, I didn't know much about entrepreneurship, but I was passionate about what I do. And I was good at what I do, the service I provided. What did that look like for you when you yeah. first started? How did you get the word out? I, I, you brought out a very good point is you got involved in the community. So uh, I want to hear you talk about kind of, was it social media? Was it, did you do one of those buy my course deals? No. Nah, uh, what did it look like? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm a type of person where um, my big thing is value, right? I've always been value-oriented. Even after, when, I, when I graduated from um, university, um, I had a lot of my friends, even random people reach, reaching out to me via Facebook. And I even created like a Facebook group because I was tired of, reached out to each person individually. So I created this Facebook group where I could provide value and you know, information. Um, so referrals and word of mouth um, was, was my beginning start, right? Um, so when I was transitioning the company from a fitness to what is concierge, I still was struggling. I mean, I, I hired a VA and, we, we, and I basically made her do cold calling without having the full structure, number one, I did not have the, I did not position, I, I, in the beginning, my company was not positioned in a way where we were explaining what we did effectively, right? Our messaging was off, right? When a person, when a person looks at get up and get fit, they automatically think it's just a, a personal trainer, a fitness company. Um, this is why I had to create get up and get fit, what is concierge, to really have people understand that it's a one is concierge company. Um, so the first thing is mess messaging, right? Getting your messaging down point. Um, and then positioning. You have to you have to put yourself in the position to attract your clientele, right? So um, I became a C-suite advisor. I became an investor. Um, now, now once, once I was able to put myself in that position, the doors opened faster, right? There was no, there was, there were less of a hinder, of hindrance when it came to trying to talk to this person that was a C-suite individual for A, B, and C company, right? So it's, 
positioning is one of the key things I would tell every entrepreneur. Before you get to the next level, make sure you have a plan. The next step is position yourself. You have to position yourself. Because if you don't position yourself, there are going to be a lot of blockades. A lot of blockades, right? Then, then once once you position yourself, then you can work more on, on your on your messaging. Your messaging. Because you can't market until you have your messaging down point. Right? If you if you decide to market without having your messaging down, you're going to bankrupt yourself. <laughs> you're like going that. to bankrupt yourself. That's really good. Okay. I like that. That's good. What about your experience, Aldrich? I think um, for me, I think I've come a long way. It's probably my fourth or fifth year now. So by that, I say, by that, I mean, I have uh, ventures, I have projects, I have side hustles, and, and they typically take on a life cycle. So first, it started off as a, a, a project of sorts just to test it out if, if it works. And then if it does, I'll, I'll take it one step further as a side hustle and see if it's commercially viable. So first, you, you want to prove that your idea works. Mm-hmm. And then you want to get to the market and see if people are interested in paying you for doing what you want to do. Um, I think this is the part where most people miss the point. Uh, you know, they, they, they come in and they think that, uh, oh, I have this brilliant idea. I want to pitch to you, this and that, this and that. Uh, but, you know, people, by and large, customers, they don't care about you. They care about them. What do you do for them? So if you can't, um, which, which comes back to Thomas's point, that your positioning is very important. But at the same time, you need to position and align yourself to what people are looking for. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that you are machinery. When I say that, you can advance your mission, but you need to be a little uh, street smart. If you look around and see people are working long hours and things like that, and you try to continue to pitch them, uh, you know, you need to uh, work out one hour a day, consistently five times uh, a week and things like that. Now, think about it from your personal perspective. Try to understand why people aren't you know, taking in that message. If I'm the sole breadwinner of the family and if my job requires me to you know, be hand, all hands on deck for 15 to 16 hours a day, here comes the brilliant side hustler and consultant trying to tell you, Hey, you know what? You look a little bit plump. Yeah, yeah, you, you good. I, I can see you having health issues on your face. You have to work out one hour a day. Come to my gym. No, dude, you're not going to get that guy's attention because what he needs on a daily basis is probably some time away from his office and family to have some me time. He just wants to recharge and relax probably, you know, just, 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 just to get... His, his mind back to you know a relaxed state so that he can sleep well at night. So I think uh, this is the biggest lesson that I learned. Be really sincere in understanding the person who wants to talk to you, whether he's going to buy your, your products or services or not. 
Because if you don't understand the person in front of you, or if you don't understand the audience that's in front of you, uh, I'm afraid that your ideas will stay as ideas and they will not advance. And this is really the biggest lesson that I've learned. Uh, when I say that, this is the biggest lesson that I've learned. It is on top of my professional consulting experience because that's what we were taught to do. But when you port over to your own projects, your own ventures, and your own side hustles, you have to be, you, you need to understand people even more. You have to because now you don't carry a company brand, you don't carry your company products, you're carrying you and why people want to listen to you. So your only shot, in my opinion, is be really sharp in terms of understanding what people are trying to say. You have to be really sharp. Otherwise, you know, uh, as the old saying goes, um, you know, when the person with money meets the person with experience, the person with experience walk away with the money and the yeah. person with the money walk away with some experience. Choose which person you want to be. Yes, indeed. It's a choice. Yes, indeed. So yeah, I mean, so what you just mentioned right now, Audric, is is essential in order for you to build the no like and trust factor, right? You need to have that certain oh, yes, level of, of of EQ, that emotional intelligence, right? Uh, you have to be, um, you, know, you can't just come through like all about money, sales, sales, sales. You have to put yourself in that person's shoes. Have you heard of um, Donald Miller, um, the story brand um, concept? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, he basically, that's great. So you basically mentioned you have to, you, instead, of, instead of you being a hero, the prospect or the client has to be the hero. You're just the guide, right? You have to guide them along the way. In order for you to be the guide, you have to be compassionate. You have to be understanding, and you have to be willing to um, be that person, you know, to literally, to literally guide them to be you know, the, the words and voice of reason, you know. So you're absolutely right, man. And, and I can tell you, 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 you being a consultant for so long has endowed you with some wisdom. <laughs> oh no, I've I've hit a lot of walls. Um, many of them, I I, I bang on them voluntarily. <laughs> but I think that um, which which is a very good point that you brought up, Thomas, because I, I recently submitted one article to a, a number one marketing publication, and I talked about that. I said, um, so long as you're in front end work, um, what is important is not to showcase how smart you are. Mm. Don't you don't have to show it, because if you are. The, the person that's in front of you can feel it. So it's okay, right? Now, then the thing is, clients love to, clients or prospects or people, they like to work with people who are smart. We like to work with people that are smarter than us, right? Because we learn something like, oh, we can do it this way? Okay, great, right? We want to have great conversations. Yes, I get it. But it is also uh, a line that we have to walk because if you try too hard to outsmart your clients and make them feel dumb, I am certain that's probably the last time you're going to see the person ever, ever, ever. It, it won't work that way. So um, show people that you know your stuff, but at the same time, let them be the smarter one. That's, that's that's really the case. I mean, you, you can take it. You can take it as respect. You can take it as uh, humility, whatever, right? 
But by and large, no one wants to be proven that they're dumb. That's that's how I think about it. I mean, like, oh, I've seen it so many times. You both brought a good point here. So when it comes to marketing, right? I think as a SME, uh, you know, anyone starting out, I think one of the biggest thing is understanding no matter what industry we're in, right? You're in the people business. So you have to understand people. And I see this every day, right? Um, business owners or consultants who are starting out and they say, oh, I, I don't like people or I don't want to work with people. Well, I hate to break the news. It doesn't, or, oh, my industry is not, you know, working with people since we're in engineering or producing a product. Or I'm like, yes, you are. You're, it's about people. <laughs> you know, everything we do, the reason we exist that we're breathing today is about people. So at the end of the day, I don't care if you're an introvert, extrovert. You know, what Eldrick and Thomas said is important. You know, positioning yourself, the right messaging, being relatable. And I think a lot of people, they focus so much, right? Oh, nowadays, there's all these tools to generate leads, to prospect, to connect with people, all these identifiers. Uh, I hear people talk about, oh, the, um, the archetypes of marketing. Well, it doesn't matter if you, you yourself or your company doesn't understand how to listen. Mm. It all starts with listening. You have to hear the clients out. The reason LinkedIn messaging doesn't work is majority of the people who's in the inbox aren't listening. They're just trying to talk. <laughs> they're, they're trying to sell what they do, right? Yeah. Before they even listen. So marketing starts with not branding, not archetypes, not all these things, right? It starts with, hey, let's listen to the audience that you're trying to sell your product or solution or your business to, right? If you can listen first, that's better than any other market research, right? Go to your people and listen, you know, <coughs> gather information and see if you have, can you problem solve? Do you have value to that audience? So. So we brought up a few points, right? Positioning, messaging, the human element. So Thomas, so what was the next thing you did? So you positioned yourself, you started, you know, working on your messaging. So yeah. when did marketing start clicking for you? Um, let's yeah, go there. So, I mean, once I understood my, my strength, right? Um, one thing I'm good at, I'm good at, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an empath, right? I love to connect with people and I, I, I feel it at a higher level, meaning like when I'm, commu when I'm communicating with a person, I'm able, to I'm, I'm able to feel if they're being real with me, right? I'm able to really dive deep into that person's story. Um, and I actually enjoy doing, I, I, I enjoy having conversations. I enjoy getting to know new people. So I created a system where I have my, my team do the outreach. Um, then once I get in front of the person, I dive a little further. So we, we, um, we realized LinkedIn heavily. Um, but the way, the way we realized LinkedIn, because I've, I've tried different methods in the past and I also, and I, and I also, I also, um, received so many spam messages. <laughs> 
in my inbox. I know what works and I know what doesn't work, right? I know what I don't like, right? Because um, in the beginning, I used to have some of some of those approach, right? With the, you know, oh hey, this is what I can do for you without doing my full due diligence. So um, we created this method where we we fine tune our outreach and it, it really works well. Um, so the, the the prospect put himself in my calendar using using Calendly. We use various uh, tools to help us help us um, automate the process. And once they get on my calendar, I go on their page. I do further due diligence before the actual um, um, pros, um, prospective vetting call. And from there, I do what I, I do what I'm good at. Right? I have a conversation. I find out who they are. I dive deeper into the story before I even get to the point where I'm asking them, this is what I'm here to do. You know, I don't even, get, I don't even get to that point. I allow them, I ask the right questions to set me up. Right. So they could ask me more about myself. <laughs> right. So it's all because people like to talk about themselves. It's all about asking the right questions. Um, and make, making sure, like I said, you have to ask the right questions. Right. Um, and it works, it works very well works very well. But like I said, you have to ask the right question and you have to do your due diligence. You can't just assume. Don't assume. Do not assume. Do your research and ask the right question. At least if you don't know something by asking the right question, you y'all, you will receive more information that you could dive further in. So that has been extremely helpful. Um, LinkedIn Sales Navigator has been key. Um, and I, I used to do a whole bunch of networking events. That didn't really work out for me. Um, now I, I, I am still part of a few virtual networks, um, but LinkedIn sales navigator does work well in, in referrals and also my, my podcast, um, the how may I serve you podcast. It also works well for, for walking because what I do essentially is providing value upfront, right? You provide value, you provide value. And, and by doing that, you build that know, like, and trust factor. And people tend to do business with people they know, like, and trust. That's good. Really good. I think I, I'm the same way. So that's why I found when I started my business as well. It's one, um, asking questions. You know. Uh, the right questions. In, yep. Instead <laughs> of, yep, the right questions. Identifying, right, the right questions. And I think it's almost sales 101, right? The good salespeople know how to ask the right questions, right? Just like when you walk to a car dealership. That's why there's a difference between a good car salesman and a bad car salesman, right? Um, they're both salesmen, but there is a difference because by the time you walk out that lot, a good salesman makes you feel you ch chose the car you wanted to buy, right? A bad salesman, you end up walking and go, what just happened? Why did I buy this car? I didn't even want this car. You know, <laughs> it's a huge difference, right? So asking the right questions, right? So for me, it's very similar is, hey, put value first. You know, when I first started, I remember, um, you know, you got to know, uh, know who you are and what you have, right? If you don't have much clientele in your portfolio, then, hey, maybe you have to give a little bit. You know, maybe you can't price it as high as someone else because they're more experienced, right? You gain experience through doing it, right? So when I first started, hey, there was times when my clientele was smaller. Hey, my prices were lower, right? And then slowly, hey, 
you start getting that badge of honor through your experience that you have. And now you can up your prices because your value is more, That's right? Nice. But it, it started out really, hey, building human relationship, be real, be authentic. People do business with people they can trust, you know, and a lot of times people have this misconception. Hey, I'm going to start business. I go hit the ground running by investing in marketing, right? And I love you to invest in marketing because I'm a marketing guy. It's like, come pay me, you know? But the truth is that's, that's not true, you know? Just because you're investing in a bunch of social media stuff, a bunch of bots, a bunch of, you know, even content writing, that doesn't generate business. It takes all the stars aligning. There's a lot. Some people have great marketing, but they're just crappy business owners you know they they can't do what we just said <laughs> listening you know being able to ask the right questions positioning you know uh, it takes everything to make it work right so i think a lot of times you just hear all these people selling you on these marketing concepts as a startup and i think we can both identify when you're starting out only if you have a silver spoon, right? You know, budget is important because it goes back to what Eldrick said. Uh, hey, if you have two children to feed a family, you know, budget is everything. You have to also sustain living as you're trying to build your business, right? Yeah. So, um, Eldrick, Kevin. yep, okay. go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to dive into um this topic before I I lose um train of thought. Perfect. So one thing that I've been able to do, um, especially now compared to um, prior is, I'm able to really, really focus on the people I want to work with, all right? The people that my company, my company want to work with. And also focus on our value, our virtues and our values, right? So now, if you are a person that's starting out and you're hungry to hungry to make money, right? You're going to work with just about anyone. But now I'm at the point where I'm able to vet, right? And work with only the people that we would like to work with, right? The high performers that meet a certain trait, right? Um, like I said, most people don't understand that when you're working as an entrepreneur, when you when you have a business, you don't have to work with everybody. You have to work with everybody. But in order for you to understand that, you have to have your own personal values and virtues. Right. So I like my personal value is peace of mind. Right. I don't care how much money this prospect is making. Right. If you're a, a to, if you're toxic, if you're going to give my team problems, if you're always going to be in this negative energy, you could be a billionaire for all I care. We, we don't want to work with you. So it's also having the, the mentality of abundance, the abundance mindset compared to um, a mindset of being mediocre, right? Or being, I guess, yep. absent. Um, it's so, so important. Your approach, the way the way you approach business is so, so important. And I, I definitely don't want us to glance over that because this is so important for us to cover. No, and also you brought up a good point. And this is something I found too later in my career is also setting boundaries. You have to learn how to say no and not like you said there's no reason to have toxic 
you know, clients, you know, because yeah. it affects your happiness. And it also affects, there's only so many hours in a day. And even with a team that, you know, there's only so many hours in a day that your business can, you know, support and work with, right? So when you're working with toxic, you know, customers or clients, you know, you're losing time. And at the end, it's like, hey, it's not always just about money, right? It's also about longevity, staying healthy and everything. So that's huge. Mental health, man. Mental health, man. It's important. Yep. Eldrick, so I wanted to um, ask you. um, So in Asia, I know things are a little different. And um, I know we have people in Asia that hop on our show. So when it comes to, is entrepreneurship this as popular as put on a pedestal as it is in the U.S.? And what does marketing look like for someone starting a business in Asia? Well, that's a double-barreled question. Um, mm-hmm. I'll take the entrepreneur on first. Yep. I think when it comes to the millennial generation, it's the same across the world. For some reason, I, I always find this hilarious because... Um, it's funny. It's funny. Coming from, uh, I, okay, I'll, I'll put it that way. Many years back, even before they graduate, they are already talking about, you know, the, the evils and the perils of the nine to six. I'm like, dude, you're still in school. What are you talking about? Like, like no one told you the good stuff that you can get from your workplace. Like, do you even know? What is a workplace, right? But but you know the this generation they they truck along they truck along and uh, uh, they talk a lot about that. So um, in in this part of the world in Singapore, there's a lot of uh, I would call um, student entrepreneurs uh, in varsity. So they do a lot of things on the side while studying. Um, but it's very interesting because you see. The scholarship holders, you see the dean's list, uh, academic ambitious types, they are not so into that. They, they are uh, focused in a different way. They want to finish the academic race uh, as uh, to their best of their ability. I, I, was, I, I belong to one of those. But then I had to pay for my own uh, university bill. So... Uh, I didn't see myself as a side hustler or building a business. I see myself as, okay, I ran, I, I ran through the list. Literally, I, I'm a very practical person. I got to maintain my scholarship. Then I, because it pays 75% of my university bills. And then I run down. Okay, so I have 25% to cover. Hmm, how should I cover 25%? Right, part-time job. Uh, customer call center, midnight shift. Uh, marketing survey, you know, uh, cold call marketing survey, distribute flyers. Uh, a plan. I, I, did, I did a lot of uh, jobs. I, I, it's, it's not a side hustle in my opinion, but I did a lot of jobs to get by. So during, during that period, I, I appreciate uh, jobs and I appreciate life. Most importantly, I understand that uh, reality is not a bit of roses. And that is very important because once you can understand that and once you start earning money from this understanding in the big environment that we are in, 
you appreciate life, you appreciate your financial position a lot more and you can be very, very humble from that. Like I have, when I was uh, working, we call that the graveyard shift in a call center. Graveyard shift, 12 midnight to 4 in the morning. Oof. Well, obviously, only devils will call, right? Like, who in the right mind will actually call 2 in the morning to complain about a handphone? I was working for a call center for a telecommunication company. I was wrong. Many people <laughs> call to complain, right? Uh, and I thought the reason I chose the graveyard shift was because I thought it was easy money. Mm. Millennials, listener, you, you guys like easy money, right? I'm telling you, there's no such thing. I work in a graveyard shift thinking that no one will call and complain so that I can do my homework and I can work on other side hustles. Dead wrong. Everyone was calling me to complain and I didn't have time to do my assignments. Some of them were late. I didn't get to do other things and I lost sleep and I thought I could sleep. I couldn't. So there was a lot of that. So I think there's still a, a group of people in this part of the world that are like that. And then there's the other group where... I made it to university. Fine, I'm going to graduate. No way. Uh, there's no way I'm going to drop out. So I'm going to graduate. So I'm going to try. I'm going to do my side hustle. I'm going to do my venture. I'm going to run a project. I'm going to prove that I'm good. And these are the people with very strong core curricular activity and then something on the side, on the side, on the side. And these are the people who will always disappear when it comes to project discussions. They are never in class. For some reason, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how. But they're trying to manage. So I think these two groups are very common. I see them a lot. Um, and, you know, how, how are you going to want your cake and eat it is based on your ambition. Um, as for marketing in this part of the world, it's important. Uh, the angle has always been uh, set to say what you can get out of it from a very practical way. And, and we know that it doesn't really work for marketing. There are two departments that this line of thinking will never work. One is marketing, two is IT. And I'm in both. I see that. People are telling me, Aldrich, you keep telling me this software can uh, you know, help me do this, accelerate this, uh, save so much time and whatsoever. I'm asking you, how much money can this software make me? I'm like, huh? It's a software. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> You're asking me what a back office software that that uh does that helps you convert from paper from manual to fully digital how much money this software can make you uh are you a revenue center or are you a cost center so i'm always bemused like what, what, what are you after right so it's very funny it's really funny but i mean uh so back to your question uh kevin it's always a practical slant okay. and uh Go ahead, Thomas. Question. So when, 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 a, when, a, when a client asks you that question, what is your typical answer? Uh, I will laugh first. <laughs> uh, uh, like that. I'll be like, oh, uh, that's, that's really a very interesting question. But uh, for me, I don't have any preconceived notions or answers. Okay. Many of my peers come with standard scripts. Okay. I don't. I'm always, I'm always asking like... Um, what what are you really thinking about when when you are asking that question and it defaults back to the question that why am i here in the first place why do you want to meet me in the first place i like to ask very obvious and stupid questions because i want to know what you're thinking 
why did you schedule a meeting to get me to come here in your office today? I'm not going to assume. I'm not going to assume that you know what I do, what my company does, what products we have. The only thing I'm clear is that you have a problem and you think I might have the solution. So I'm not going to act smart. I'm just going to ask you, why do you decide to invest one hour of time with me? That's all. And I'll let you talk. Okay. okay. My entire approach is to make you talk. So when I talk, everything I say is relevant. Got it. I don't believe in presenting, uh, I don't believe in preparing 60 slider presentation deck, area form six, you know, the, 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 that kind of thing. And then tons of diagram video, uh, script that. <laughs> like, um, so Thomas, um, Thomas, so, uh, you found me on LinkedIn. Uh, now that we are together, um, we are in this conversation. Uh, I have no agenda with you today, but what I'm interested in is your agenda of meeting me. So maybe we can have a conversation on that. Uh, so why do you decide to reach out to me and why are we meeting today? Would you mind? Just, just let me know. I'll start off with that innocuous questions. Just, just really like, like, is there a reason? Ah, okay. So then I'll try to find out. So let's say you, you read off one, two, three, four, five, let's say A, B, C, D, E. And I say, that's very interesting. Um, and you, you, but, but these are problems and these are symptoms. So then what do you think, uh, are the issues for that? Because, uh, if I have the perfect solution for you, I want it to be able to help you do your work with an ease of mind. So what exactly do you want this product or this service to solve? Then again, blah, 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 blah. You can go on talk. Okay. Uh, there's ABCDE, but we are trying to prioritize ABC because ABC has been taking up too much of our time, sucking up too much of resources and things like that. Then I'll be like, okay, so we, we have narrowed down. So the way I think about meetings is an active funnel. I don't mm. funnel. I use conversation to funnel. Because, I mean, like that's that's the best way, right? So yeah, so yeah. you you you, you you see the entire conversation, and then I want to suck it down mm-hmm. to what matters, and I'll just respond on that. To me, focus. So yeah, and while listening, I actively disqualify or qualify this prospect. Okay, so you're thinking, can I work with this person? Ah, okay. He, he seems okay, right? He's uh, he can think, so that's good. Um, the problems that he have, oh, these are good problems because the product and our services can can solve these problems. That's good, mm-hmm. but I can only solve uh A, B, and D. I can't do C and E. Okay, then uh, just come up front. So okay, I have a I have a product that can solve uh sixty percent of our problems, and they happen to be, you know, eighty uh, percent of our priority. Right, we can do A, B, C, and these are standard plug and play. You can do it. So being the now, yeah, and and if you are interested, we can carve out uh, a deal on that. Now, I, I want to discuss with you on on C and E, how we can move ahead. Uh, so very upfront, I might not be your ideal working partner for C and E, but if you are willing to work it out together with me, we can give it a try. Because if it works, it's beneficial for you. And at the same time, it's beneficial for me. If it doesn't, it's fine. 
If it doesn't, it's fine. I already told you we can do A, B, and D. Right? So it's active qualification, active uh, uh, qualification. And just, you know, let's not waste people's time. Your time is precious. I, I respect that. But at the same time, I'm also thinking, hmm, there's no point doing a business with someone who has all sorts of problems and I don't have the solutions to all your problems and I'm trying to force feed my solutions to your problems. Oh my gosh. That's 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 worse than a toxic customer. That's that's a toxic relationship. Yeah. Doomed yeah. to fail right from the start. Mm -hmm. Doomed to fail. You probably won't want that if you're running a business, right? Yeah, because... I, I kind of call it like a business integrity, right? Because that means you're just trying to force feed um, the prospect your product without, without with knowing the fact that you can't help them fully, right? So that's like business. That's all about business integrity right there. Yeah. Well, yeah. You have to have integrity in business to know when to back off or when to pass them off to another, um, another company. A better fit. Right? A better fit, exactly. I, I can uh, I'll just I'll just give one example so uh like in the in the realm of uh fitness let's say if I meet someone who's interested in cardiovascular fitness which is what I like to do right and and uh you know you meet for discussion and things like that and and the kind that can tell you I'm just in cardiovascular fitness and blah 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 but you realize that they're still 10,000 feet high in terms of you know what, what they're saying is like then that it is it is our job to get down to the next level to say um so cardiovascular is, is like why right so when it comes to attending to your fitness your health you're talking about do you want to start with running do you want to start with swimming do you believe in biking or you want to do something a lower intensity or with more time like maybe you can hike so when you start off you don't take on too much pressure you you hike first or you just want to have like walks, right? But if your business specializes on certain cardiovascular sport and that customer, after talking about uh, fitness, cardiovascular fitness, and you realize that he wants to deal with a sport that you are, you are not doing, don't force it because you're going to be found out very quickly. Yeah, if he wants to bike, but you're a runner and you tell the person, you know, your bike fit, you buy mm -hmm. a specialized bikes, you need these gears here and there, you're, you're going nowhere. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like... Definitely. And it, it, this is, this is why, so with, with, uh, with, with our company, with Get Up, Get Fit, What is Concierge, um, during our vetting process, the first thing we do is we have our client walk us through their lifestyle, through their day, right? So we, we assess everything from the time to wake up to the time they go back to bed, right? To find out the details of what you're doing. Because the goal is to find out what they're doing so this way we can extract the negative habits. That once we have all the information, they were able to create a plan. Because everyone is built different. Everyone is everyone is built different. There's no two um, persons, I don't care if you're twins or not, um, that's gonna have the same exact lifestyle. A person might sit awkwardly, a person might be on a computer a longer time, a person might, um, have the body in different different shapes, right? Different positioning. So it's all about extracting um, the information from the person from their perspective. Have them share with you, and from there, then you could take take it to the next step. You can't assume. This is why I had to get away from the typical what is the fitness industry and really um, create what I have right now. We'll get up and get through what is concierge because it's 
a much more sustainable approach. You can't put a Band-Aid on, a, on like a gushing wound, right? Um, that's what most people do, right? You have to get to the root cause. It's like, like a doctor assessing a, a patient, get to the root cause of a problem. Then, you could, then once you work on the root cause, then that patient is able to um, recuperate for a longer period because now they're not just focusing on the symptoms itself. No, that's good. So before we end tonight, you know, since we are on social media platforms, right? And a lot of startups, people who are new to entrepreneurship and marketing and everything, right? So you hear this a lot, you know, from marketing gurus and people, influencers. Do you guys find social media to be the be all for marketing? Um, I could jump in this. <laughs> But in terms, in terms of, in well, terms let me add of, one more piece: the be okay. all of marketing, and what have you found is the best way to leverage social media? So I mean, it depends on the platform, right? Like LinkedIn is completely different from Facebook and IG, right? Um, number one, you have to understand how the platform is 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 how the platform operates and how your followers operate on that platform. You can't, you can't expect to approach your LinkedIn audience the same way you approach your Facebook or IG audience, right? Um, I do like social media to the fact where you, you get the chance to nurture them, right? Provide them information and value and build a following. Now, once you have a good follow, of course, not everyone's going to be your ideal client, but once you have the, the ideal following and you're providing good content and valuable content, that's another way to build that like trust, um, that no like and trust factor right there. Then once you, then when you, when you get the chance to roll out some type of product or service, they're more likely to work with you because they know who you are. So this is where social media comes into place. But as you know, with these social um, media platforms, especially LinkedIn and Facebook, it's it's a paid to play kind of structure, right? In order for you to get your information to the majority of your your audience, you have to pay for that, pay for that exposure. So that, that's, that's, that's that's where the problem comes in. So if you want to pay, then you, you'd be able to get um, the information out there to more people. So that's good. Aldrich? I know you have something to say because I'm pretty sure you have something to say in regards to social media. Why do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I can feel you thinking right now. Your wheels are spinning. <laughs> oh no. Um, I think the 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 way I think about social media has evolved over the years. Um, if we default to the effectiveness of reach and content marketing, I mean, it it, it is no longer what it was probably when we benchmarked to two years or three years ago. Uh, and it's obvious. It's obvious. Um, more people are getting. Uh, they don't. They don't really get to social media when when they are bored these days. So, uh, you are likely to have a higher chance of experiencing success. Your definition, not mine. Um, of of success in social media if you have a very strong content positioning and people believe what you say the keyword is believe what you say 
uh, the way I think about it, if you are, you know, if you are trying to tell the world how good you are as a content person, or that uh, you made it in life because you take some photos, uh, you know, in in glamorous positions. Uh, pos- uh, positions or countries or your house god knows whether that's your house um you know these these contents aren't getting traction anymore and it's it's very interesting i think i read at the beginning of the year uh one of the one one of the top 10 social media influencers in canada so she re- routinely uh takes photos and posts on instagram you know photos of her touching the helicopter and the helipad and then you know uh by the fireside in the house notice i say in the house i didn't say in her house i don't know no one knows right she was she was in an article and uh it was a very honest article she was saying that uh, she's broke <laughs> so the interviewer was like shocked with that oh, but, but you're one of the top 10 influencers in canada that, yeah but uh, i make less than uh, 30,000 a year. And that's from her day job, not from her content. So, gotcha. I, I'm like, okay. So, uh, I think, I think establishing trust, um, it's going to be very difficult when it comes to indirect relationships and platforms. It's, it's very difficult. Uh, compounded by the fact that we are more cynical today. On, on influencers. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, we, 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 it's like if, if you see someone with a eight pack uh, photo, you, 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 your, your default thinking is, ah, oh, PS, you know, like Photoshop and things like that. Ah, oh, this guy looks boyish, handsome, really fair, and things like that. Ah, oh, must be uh, post edit. Uh, and, and there are tons of apps to do that. So as people get more savvy using uh, software and they are actually using it, they can tell that you are using it. That's, that's really it. So I think um, uh, be genuine and don't expect results. You'll be happier. You'll be happy. I mean, like, uh, tell people what you do. And that's it. That's it. And be, be happy when, when people comment on 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 what you say. Uh be be really happy when you know uh people actually take notice of what you do. Because everyone else is just gonna do it. It's more and more. So so what competitive advantage do you have? What personal branding do you have that can withstand the onslaught of time? And copycats. Uh, I, I, I'm not talking about myself, but I'm talking about it's very easy to plagiarize through social content, through social and through content. It's very easy. I mean, I mean, uh, Kevin runs a marketing agency, but how do you know that there isn't a silent observer somewhere, somehow in Lufthansa or in Poland or in Hungary? They say, mm, I'm going to copy this concept. I'm probably not going to call myself J29. Maybe I'll call myself H28 or something like that. And the contents are exactly the same. How would you know? 
Don't know, know Eldrick. Um, I I know um, Facebook and IG is is they're kind of they're kind of um getting a little heavy on that nowadays. Um, in terms of the plagiarism, so there there are different ways you could report that, right? So they they're becoming a little bit more savvy on that. Yep. Hmm. But that's only if you report it, of course. Yep. And I think you guys both brought up some good points, right? So I think when it comes to social media, right? I think you have to be ready. One, um, social media is no magic marketing wand. Um, you still have to do the work. Um, yeah. It's just no different than you being the best door-to-door um, closer, you know, for sales, right? Back in the days, knocking on doors, right? It's about consistency. You know, I think the consistency and message, right? How many people do you see have a consistent message? When they're on social media, they're all over the place. Like, yeah, even these influencers, they change their... One day, they're a mental health expert. The next day, they're a fitness guru. And then all of a sudden, they're starting a marketing company, you know? And that's all within the last five years, right? So I think when it comes to marketing on social media, one is consistency. And one, I feel you have to focus on building community at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, you're going to get a lot of people, random people coming to your account, liking stuff. You can't focus on the vanity metrics, right? Because your message can only connect with a small group of people so you have to once positioning identifying what your message is what what problem are you solving and you speak to just that group you know and so i think it takes a number of things and social media as a marketing agency i'll say is not the be all you know it is the you know lowest of cost of entry right now um regards to marketing but there's other ways too. It really depends on the service or product you provide. And I am not a firm believer in being everywhere. I know a lot of um, marketing gurus, um, consultants, um, they'll tell you, hey, you need to be everywhere. But I like what Thomas said, right? He's identified LinkedIn works for him, right? And as an SME, sometimes you can't afford being everywhere because time is money and everywhere takes work, either work or it takes you to write a check to delegate the work to someone else. So someone has to do it. So everywhere is not easy. Um, so the, the cost of being everywhere is time. So you have to ask yourself that question. Do you have time? And then how much time do you want to spend on social media and what's the ROI from spending all that time on social media and if it's not there then hey maybe social media everywhere is not for you then you choose the platform where your audience is and you focus on that right and when it comes to marketing as an SME I really think you gotta everything's about time it's either time or money you know (laughs) either you put in the work or you put in the money, you know, there's no other way. And it's that really that simple. So, well, before we end the night, I know Thomas, one you thing have, to say, well, go ahead. Um, 
I think I think for people who who believe in content marketing, who who believe in social, who believe in digital, okay, I'll roll it up to digital marketing. Okay, regardless. Uh, I think let's get to the the core of how some digital, how people can can be really successful in digital marketing. Yep. Uh, regardless of platforms and what they do. First, uh, people want to follow them. Full stop. Because people want to follow them, comma, they follow their content. So you have to think about how it defaults back to yourself. In business, we talk about trust, but trust is very difficult. So you can start off with likability. Now think about it this way. In a social setting, if you are uh, nice to, to hang around, you're comfortable to be with, you are in, in a generic sense likable, people hang around you longer, you can strike a, a, a deeper conversation. So for instance, it is if I, if I uh, don't know Thomas, and if I do not know, get up and get fit wellness concierge, right? Uh, and I come across his content. The chances of me following the content and the channel is going to be very low. And I'm talking it from I'm talking about it from a human nature point of view. But if I attended an event, I've seen Thomas got, uh, speak on stage. I like the way he presents himself and what the business represents. And if he says that, you know, um, I have I have content on YouTube and LinkedIn, I will follow. But it defaults back to, I like Thomas and I trust the way he talks about things because it resonates with me. So now this is a tough one. How do you build your likability? How do you get people to be comfortable with you? Because once you can do that, people will follow your content. Don't get it. It's not the reverse. It's not the reverse. People don't follow your content first before knowing who you are. I always find it very weird. Like, like why? Like, how does it work that way? Are you trying to tell me that you can get a deal first before understanding the salesperson in front of you? I doubt. It doesn't work that way, right? So that's, that's just my parting note for today. Um, work on yourself. I think then it will help you to get traction for your content, business or personal. That's how I think about it. No, that's good. Yeah. I know, Thomas, you have a hard stop tonight, so I wanted to um, yes, respect that's that. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, hey, share with everyone how best way to follow you and um, get connected and if they're interested in your business as well. So you guys could um, actually go to the website, get up and get fit at, I'm bugging, get up and get fit.com. I'm about to give you my, my Gmail, my Gmail email. Um, so it's get up and get fit.com. Get up and get fit is spelled G-E-T-U-P-N-G-E-T-F-I-T. All right. Um, you can also follow me on LinkedIn, Thomas Johnson Jr. Um, you can follow us on IG, get up and get fit on IG. Um, and yeah. Feel free to reach out. Whatever you guys need in terms of lifestyle help, I mean, we're here to um, provide that value, okay? Well, I appreciate all of you, and thank you for joining us tonight or this morning. So, all right, have a great one.
We'll talk later. Cheers. Have a good one. Thanks, Thomas. Bye.